0: Welcome to this week's episode of Breaking Chains Crypto, a brand new podcast hosted by the team that brought you the Yield app. In this first episode with Reese, Lucas Keeley, along with Ajit Tripathi, we discuss the current landscape and share reasons why we think the battle of the L2s is only just getting started. And ChatGPT is in the news. While incredibly useful, we think it has striking similarities to being a big four consultant. And why has South Korea shown evidence that it's a fertile ground for producing some notable DGENs? Find out on this week's Breaking Chains Crypto.
1: Hi, guys. Uh, Welcome to the first edition of the Breaking Chains podcast. And uh, this week, uh, as we will have every week, we have myself, Lucas, uh, Reese. And Arjit, and so welcome to the show, guys. And I guess this is going to be the first of many. So, uh, yeah, Reese, uh,
2: back in Bangkok. It's been a while. It's been a while, mate. It's been a while. It's great to be back here, though. It's
3: great to be back here. Uh, great to see you, Lucas and Andres. Arjit, where in the world are you? I'm in Dubai now. You know, it's the crypto Miami, crypto capital of the East, apparently. Uh, yeah. And it's another, another Mecca the... in the Middle East. Well, yeah, quite a few luminaries are uh, moving here, as you're aware. Uh, there were yeah. some rumors of Caroline moving here, that didn't happen, thankfully. Uh, but there you know, is quite a nice group. she's single here. now,
2: mate. I think you missed the flight, didn't she? Yeah, maybe, uh,
3: maybe. Yeah, that information is not useful to me because I'm married. But, uh, <laughs> well,
1: you live in the dream down there, mate. Um, so we're 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 just slumming it in Bangkok as as always. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting time this past. 12 months in, in in crypto for sure I mean we we've uh we've seen seen it all and done it all um and here we are at the other side with a with a uh sort of uh a, a rally into the into the start of the year which has got a lot of people excited so it's seemed like a good time to start uh this podcast um and so you know fun, fun, funny things have happened right we've seen you know FTX go from the greatest the greatest minds uh in crypto to being you know proven to be complete frauds we've obviously seen the blow up of celsius BlockFi, three arrows terra luna and et
2: cetera et cetera and, and and the list keeps running there was um obviously like a chain of events that cause um a lot of people to become exposed to what they're actually carrying out I think yourself and I had these discussions around what risk management looks in this space and um, where trust was being placed, then I think even the parties where we assume to have the highest level of trust, FTX and um, Alameda, et cetera, um, the, were arguably the biggest market makers in this business turned out to also uh, not be adhering to like the kind of risk we'd expect from a uh, developed industry. Um Hard to say. Like I guess from like 2017 to now, like we have more institutional capital, but it's not being around like institutional capital. Um, Yeah, I think that this it's a good wake up call. I think for um, the expectations we have around how people behave in this uh, ecosystem. So. But yeah, I guess like we'll see like the this continue to wash out in 2023, but uh, it's certainly an eventful 2022. So the ultimate tide is out year, I'll say for 2022.
1: What about you, Ajit? Do you think uh, we look back on 2022 and the lessons we're going to learn going forward, or do you think uh, we the same mistakes? Yeah, you know, yeah,
3: I don't think anyone ever learns anything in markets, particularly. Right? I think the the collective mass of our learnings is called regulation. Uh, otherwise you know market participants uh, there's always a new f- uh, flow of new people or people who have goldfish memory and as soon as you know the super cycle starts again people forget all the lessons of terra luna and everything in fact you see you know no. bonk and the dog, mean, dog all of that's stored on chain
1: we're never going to forget that but it's all going to uh, be yeah, stored no, on I chain think. mate it's going to be <laughs> did you
2: say did you say the super cycle <laughs> i thought i heard you say the super
3: cycle <laughs> yeah no, no, from I Mario guess. Kart. The super. Oh, that was the cycle, Cooper, right?
2: wasn't it? Oh, the Cooper. Truth. No, the,
3: the the fun thing is, I met Suzu in Crypto Bahamas, right? And and I asked him if he was doing psyops, and he said, "No, I'm serious about it." And he was serious about it. And I think as soon as uh, and then somebody tried to sell me a private jet in the Bahamas, and I looked at myself and I said, "Man, I drive a Honda." So and and that was the. But you drive an
1: NSX, mate. You're not driving a a a Civic, are you?
3: I'm driving an SUV, so it's uh, it, the market
2: is not so bad, right? And we haven't got to the used Civic levels yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, one more
3: drawdown, Ajit. One
1: more drawdown. So one funny more, story about Suzu. Uh, I used to work with Suzu at Credit Suisse back in the days. He used to work for a guy called uh, Harj and Dave Best on the on the Delta One desk at Credit Suisse. And I remember him and Kyle working their way, and uh, I, I sat on on exotic trading. and. Uh, they, they they left. They came in and, and resigned one day and and set up their emerging market currency arbitrage fund, and uh, did a whip around Hong Kong and Singapore, and uh, didn't work out too well. And well, uh, it did
3: work out. To, oh, okay, I see. Uh, it didn't work out back in the day when they were doing the the currency arbitrage stuff. No, exactly
1: right. And okay. uh, so, like many people in in. Uh, in, in in fund funds uh or set up funds or businesses uh in crypto who come from TradFi. a lot of it's like you know I've got some lessons learned from this or and you know a lot of the the lessons that 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 I learned being in CS and and seeing these guys and and, and what they're about and then coming to us to raise money Etc was just like you know what you know this is not where we want to be so I mean we didn't we didn't do much so we didn't do anything with them um mm-hmm. and uh it's I think the, the thing for me is finance whether it's crypto or traditional finance is a people business right and people businesses are are about trust and whether you believe that person with your capital is going to do the right thing with it and that's about character right it's about uh what what happens when the shit hits the fan how do you react to it and you know we can go through you know uh, a plethora yeah. of stories around how managers have managed the FTX fallout and how they've tried it to trade out of it. And some of it has been quite shocking, right? So really that's that's stunning. Yeah, I would think
3: that. So funny part is I met Suzu in Dubai two weeks ago and I asked him some of these questions and maybe we'll try and invite him to the one of our shows uh so uh, so i I think uh, first of all crypto is slightly different from you know some of the other more mature markets because there are no hedging instruments right i mean there is a very thin options market uh, in crypto there is only and there's a lot of liquidity on perps but you don't really have some of the sophistication of risk management or you know or, or, or even at the instrument level or in terms of systems right so you might have 18 monitors to trade but you're not really looking at any of the the processes, ops, uh, or anything in, uh, that you might see if you're trading at, at a trading floor at Goldman, right? No, now, I, I disagree
1: uh, with that. I would actually disagree with that. And the reason why I would disagree with that is you can buy buy portfolio management systems, be it uh, Infusion, be it um, Elwood from Brevin Howard. Uh, you can get um, uh, Numerics, etc., and they all have the full risk suite, the full vol surfaces you could you could get synoption uh from the guy um uh what's his name uh angel jane who used to run uh fx options uh, fx uh, uh, at jp morgan right oh, and morgan, yeah. uh and you see this stuff right and and reese and i have gone through all this stuff and seen all the tooling that exists for options and option market making and option pricing and and etc see- in the problem, right, the real problem yeah. is this, right, is the ISDA for, you know, bilateral agreements or a standard ISDA has only just come out,
3: I think, yeah, in the last uh, week,
1: right? So I saw an ISDA come out last week. Uh-huh. Everything is bilateral. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. in crypto, right, you're dealing in bearer instruments, right? So when you're dealing in bearer so, instruments, how do you get... Uh, institutions to come and trade with you when regulated institutions are capital constrained due to Basel III, so they have to t- play on the CME or futures. You, you've got cash settled or physical like Bitcoin, etc. And and let's say I want to trade with Goldman Sachs. I've got physical, they've got synthetic. I want to sell a call option to Goldman, and I I want to give them my collateral as Bitcoin, but they can't take it. So then I have to give that to let's say Anchorage, which is partly owned by Goldman anchorage (laughs) holds it there Then goldman loans me money cash against that collateral and then i give the money back to goldman as as margin it's just impossible to do and so you you remove the the key liquidity providers from tradfi from from the space it doesn't mean the tooling's not there or the pricing mechanisms there you look at someone like orbit or qcp or some of these other guys they're, they're like all very advanced uh, experienced options traders. And it doesn't matter what you're trading the option on. You've still got the same Greeks and depending on the way that asset Yeah, moves.
3: But there are these option markets, right? I mean, most of this stuff is bilateral because if, when I try to trade options on Binance, I mean, there are very few options on, on some of the more illiquid tokens. But, but type, which FX, is what, FX markets which are the most inefficient market right? there is a lot of money to be made. But if you look at uh, yeah, just I mean, basic, basic FX, it's bilateral OTC, true. right? Yeah.
1: So yeah, that, if you've just got bilateral point. OTC, it's no different than that. The problem is there's just not enough players, right? And ultimately, let's say that I've got, you know, you're dealing in an 80 vol asset class and you sit there and say, well, I'm just going to run deltas against it. Well, you're going to take a lot of, the vol of vol in crypto is actually quite high because you just yeah, have so, moments of vol. Well, yeah, I mean, see, one of the things
3: we had you know, uh, not all of our audience is going to be very... You know, uh, come from the same experience as us. One of the things is uh, uh, Suzu's. most of Suzu and 3AC's troubles are essentially with their counterparties. So, you know, there is not like, uh, yeah, they might have uh, made some representations or sent some letters to their counterparties to borrow, which may not be entirely accurate. But uh, that's something they can resolve with their counterparties, because there's no, unlike Gemini, there is no retail money involved here, right? I mean, as far as I'm aware, at least not directly. So, mm. so, uh, so I think that's kind of a mitigating factor for the for for three arrows, as in, you know. As long as they bilaterally, trilaterally, essentially settle okay. their disputes with their so, third parties, they're in a good shape.
1: Yeah, but they're not. They're not going to. I can guarantee you, there's no one in their right mind going to enter into a new bilateral with Suzu or Carl Davis anytime soon, right? Because ultimately, your risk reward for that outcome is if something goes wrong it's very easy to say well why would you do that like why did you do that in the first place given the history like if we look at the history of managers or people we've done dd on right and we look at people and say oh this guy's really good this manager's got great performance these guys have done amazingly well you do a basic background check on some of the some of the key players in this industry or some of the key uh founders right and you say okay What's your background? Oh, you've got an SEC sanction for fraud and embezzlement. Oh, you've got an SEC sanction for market timing. Oh, you've got liens over your assets. Do they look at all this
3: stuff in crypto? Yeah, it all
1: all exists, right? And you can't... I don't
3: know if crypto markets are at that level of maturity, right? So we might be expecting a little bit of a higher... I think we might be talking about a slightly higher end of institutions than I think like typical crypto funds or family offices or crypto but, hedge funds or liquid but, funds but, that are typically- But, but what's your point, right? My point is this isn't necessarily the Wall Street and some of the, some of the ideas, is, and Wall Street also is quite forgiving, right? So LTCM guys came back and started another fund. I mean, we have uh, 0.72, which is running really well. So, so I think there but are... Know, 0.72 was is, is just state, a family a of office
1: now, right? It's not like it's a hedge fund again. It's just a family office. I mean, office most
3: is- hedge funds are family offices now, right? Because they are trying to avoid regulatory reporting requirements. Even Archigos was a family office. That's so true. no one particularly likes to be regulated. So yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, So I think... I I genuinely believe Wall Street is very forgiving, and crypto Wall Street is even more forgiving. So it's uh, not entirely Mm -hmm. inconceivable that there'll be some counterparties that are willing to take a risk. And you know that's kind of where I think that's why they're starting this G T X exchange, which I think a lot of Twitter folks made a lot of fun of, uh, which will essentially trade uh, you know claims on F T X, right? Tokenized claims on F T X. So that's a pretty interesting idea there.
2: So yeah. Do you think it's now like since the FTX stuff came out and Sam was involved with Retail Money, uh, Sam, like Suzu and Kyle have come to the forefront because they're essentially the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry now, right? Because you have, <laughs> that's that, of- that's <laughs> what it is, right? You have DoQuan, Retail <laughs> yeah. Money, Sam, a lot of Retail Money, in- institutional money. Retail money, yeah, Tom Brady yeah. money. Yeah. You know, Celsius you don't want Gemini, that money. money. You don't want that stuff, man. You don't want yeah. Tom Brady's money. Yeah, um, and, and it
3: kept getting darker and darker, right? Like it's yeah. like Harry Potter. You start yeah, that's the right, first right? Movie and then now you and have nice and fun. And by the time you get to the end, you have outright, you know, you have a polycule, you have outright fraud and theft.
2: That's, that's exactly right, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then now you have like <laughs> Sue like Sue and Kyle go, well, at least we didn't defraud retail. We can probably take a shot, <laughs> right? And that this is like yeah. they're like yeah. starting yeah. their character arc, right? Is that this is our prime opportunity? That's where I saw it coming from. They've got like, now we are the cleanest dirty shirt. We might as well take a shot. And like, they just re emerged, <laughs> you know, on uh, crypto Twitter and started, uh, I yeah, guess, started yeah. their like PR roadmap for GTX, right? I
3: and there are so many others out there, right? And we don't even know. I mean, and there were founders that started dying at the bottom of the market. I think it's not even clear who's actually dead, but there were two or three folks who were, you know, without mentioning anyone in case they're actually dead uh Who were declared uh, dead or lost at the at the bottom of the collapse? I know what's so absolutely dead,
1: and this isn't yeah. going to rise from the from the uh, from the depths like Lazarus. Right? Is going to be mm-hmm. Terra Luna.
2: That's absolutely dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I think the sunset. Really? Yeah. Sun,
1: sunset. <laughs> absolutely. Have,
3: the prize, have, have you been watching the token price? Oh,
2: the the classic.
1: I think I've still oh, got yeah. some three x levered on that, what I bought at like point zero 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 one <laughs> or something. <laughs> Are you telling me I'm up like ten thousand <laughs> percent? Oh dear, no. We'll I, I, think, I think. Look, I think. Look, I think for me, twenty twenty two is really really simple. It just shows that you can't let the children manage the money anymore. And I think uh, we started to see, you know, as as the institutional uh, big players entered the game. Uh, Simple players who started out as, you know, crypto native were just getting completely destroyed. Uh, let's let's take a very, very classic case of um, poor maths, right? Terra Luna, modeling, stress testing. I don't know if you've saw the stress testing paper on, on Terra Luna, but that stuff was just like, that came from Harvard? Like, really? And, you know, you could just pick holes in the math <laughs> instantly. And no one checked it because, it oh, it came from this guy. He's at Harvard and this is great. And I think yeah, when Reese and Do I modeled at
3: Stanford.
1: Yeah. We, yeah. when Reese and I modeled it, we were like, You what? No, this isn't this is not this is this was last November 21. We mm. learned that what was your liquidity threshold of, of Terra Luna before you thought it would crash completely? Ten percent. Ten percent or something like that. It was like it was just 10%. like
2: we couldn't get away from it. It was like really 10% of UST removed yeah. from anchor would collapse it.
1: Yeah. And we were like, why would we why would you touch that? Mm. And I think I think the the the, the tough thing for us is you can't go out on, on crypto Twitter and say um, and just be a hater, right? You you just better just, just shut up and and say nothing and, and and trade accordingly. But what was happening was like the big players would come into the space, be it the citadels, be it the you know, the um the other big market makers or the big hedge funds, and they would just point a gun at the 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 sheer lack of depth and liquidity in the market and say, okay, we can move this for a billion dollars or we can move this for half a billion dollars. And the risk reward is is perfect. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like if you see, you know, the the, the rally in, in Bitcoin at the start of the year, what happened? It was the start of the Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, US market closed 4pm. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, there's this big move in BTC. And the market starts to go and go. And then it just gets a massive short squeeze. And it's pushed all the way through 20k. And everyone's like, oh, it's the start of the bull run. It's <laughs> like, no. There's yes. <laughs> literally zero liquidity for the next three days. And I know. they're just picking out all the stops and going to just force it higher
2: and higher. Did you notice that the subsequent rally was also Friday? Yeah. Same it's, same it's play. Awesome.
1: And then in that time, you take something like Coinbase stock, is up 100, nearly 100% as of Friday close yeah. in a week. I'm like, hold on, what's going on here? I mean, it's like GameStop all over again, right? It's just... You know, we've you've got to you've got to realize that the the crypto market itself is is so manipulated, mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't understand. Like, you know, if I was a regulator, it's the one thing I'd want to clamp down on is the the, the market manipulation in crypto. And
3: that's uh, but but it's structural, right? If you, uh, I mean, market making, exchange, custody, and venture, they're all sitting in the same under the same umbrella there is no like segregation of any sort there are no chinese walls between these things there are no mm-hmm. controls so it's it's uh know yeah, there are i mean it's like the securities market from the 1920s or something i don't know the pre-1934 act and there are a lot of rules after that so it's it, unless unless there is kind of you know segregation across these things uh at least custody and exchange and market making you're always going to have uh very opaque, uh, unpredictable markets. And, and you know, it's very, very hard to short anything in this market,
2: right? Because, I mean, it's so easy to liquidate anyone. Uh, oh, no, so no, absolutely. Much, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. only been made worse, right? Because we had like all the market maker money was obviously on FTX, right? And that some got out, but not a lot of it. So we're just dealing on very thin markets. Even, you know, before this all this fallout happened, it was really... FTX was the driver of volume because it's arguably it was the best place, uh, functionally to trade. Um, I I guess (laughs) from a top level anyway, like I don't think anyone was aware of like the old God mode that, uh, Alameda had access to. It would have been nice to have, (laughs) to have that setting (laughs) turn on my account. Um, but you know, even then the the books were thin in specific assets, but now it's very, very thin, you know?
1: So I was going to say other things that have kind of yeah. changed uh, going into 23 is ChatGPT and and um, OpenAI. I mean, we've got thoughts on that? I've got yeah. some big thoughts
3: on that. And so. zk and zk. So you know, you have, uh, the venture business runs on memes, yeah. and uh, so the three biggest things right now are OpenAI and everyone is really excited about ChatGPT. And there were a whole bunch of web three VCs that I'm aware of who were pivoting to AI. And there was quite a bit of a Twitter joke going around about uh, you know how do we who, who is Vitalik pivoting to AI or something. So that's one. The other is ZK, zero knowledge. you know. And uh, most people have zero knowledge about zero knowledge. I'm probably one of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> now with ZK rollups going live. Makes uh, a mockery of, of KYC zero one. knowledge. <laughs> mm. uh, depends on how you use it, right? So-, so N- NKYC, no knowledge, and- no knowledge of your customer. <laughs> but i think ethereum scaling has pushed zero knowledge research forward by at least 2 3 years so uh, so let's see right i mean q1 will have a year year full of zero zk rollups going live so, so i uh, had a bit of fun with things going live so i had a bit of
1: fun with uh, chat gpt and uh, i decided to see okay how good is it at you know we we it's it's written by geeks for geeks at the moment but ultimately what if it was a bit like bitcoin really um what if i asked it to so i, I asked it to do something for me i said can you make an interpretive argument about the 13th-century poem "Fowls in the Frith," which is a five-line poem uh, written in the 13th century, and, and the text is really simple. It says, uh, "Fowls in the Frith, the fisses in the flood, and I'm on wax wad such sorrow I walk with for best of bon and blood." Or, and that's the that's the poem. So I asked ChatGPT about this, and it said, uh, "Fowls in the Frith" is a 13th-century Middle English poem that is believed to have be been written by an anonymous author. The poem is a humorous and satirical work that centers around the theme of the relationship between the humans and nature. Hearn takes the form of a dialogue between a group of birds who are discussing the arrival of a group of hunters in the forest. But no, it's not. So that's a five-line question, for... <laughs> and it's just gone
3: off on a tangent. <laughs> oh man! So so you know, ChatGPT is like a consultant, and I've been a consultant at PwC, right? So I mean, it sounds like it knows what they are talking about, and ChatGPT is very good at that. But it may not necessarily know what ChatGPT is talking about. So it's a bit like PwC and McKinsey over there. But you know, due apologies to my friends, one of the questions I really wanted to ask Chat GPT was, "Sir, when token?" And unfortunately, there is no token, and they're starting to charge. You know, I was I was hoping I would get an airdrop for using ChatGPT and it would be like web all over again. But that seems to be not the case.
2: What about what about when Binance, Ajit? can uh, Chat GPT give us a when Binance? <laughs>
1: i haven't tried that well given
3: it
1: it actually thinks that my my 13th century anonymous medieval poem paints a picture of humans as being destructive and disrespectful towards the natural world and the birds serve as a metaphor for the innocent victims of human actions this poem is also a call to action urging humans to take responsibility for their actions and to show more respect for the environment this is a five-line 13th-century medieval poem, and you're right. It's like dealing with a consultant. I mean, you can turn anything into a climate change activist, and I think we've just done that with ChatGPT. Oh well. So, oh.
3: so, so I, I think the uh, so AI is a big meme. zk is a big meme. Uh, you know, and then I think there's a lot of excitement around the move programming language and some of the smart contract platforms, and we've seen the Aptos. Uh, the the you know the the five xing of the Aptos price. Uh, some say it's because of Binance. Binance double dipped into two successive rounds of Aptos. That's quite rare for Binance ventures. And then Korea, right? Upbit had forty percent of the volume, and Aptos had this uh, hackathon going on in Korea. So there was a bit of uh, excitement around that as well. So they're pretty good for the Aptos guys. I mean, the, yeah, they, no, absolutely. You know, they, 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 yeah, they they do have the vibe. uh uh, which is quite interesting
2: to be fair they they literally couldn't have launched a worse time right like between all that chaos going on with ftx in the market and a lot of those liquidations kicking off it um it launched into uh like a bloody mess right so (laughs) at least it's um it's had some resurgence once things have come green and we saw that also with the optimism token right hit it's an all-time high and those like the new shiny toys kind of thing, uh, Ajit, you know, like they were the new shiny things that came in late to the cycle. So they're getting their their attention now and um probably for fair reason, right? So they do have some market um differentiations that sit aside from the other chains. So
3: it's it's still very early, right? I mean, this is year one for Aptos and Mistel, Mistin and Fuel Labs who are sort of building, uh, you know, smart contract platforms or developer experiences that will directly compete with Ethereum and Cosm-Warsom. Uh So, you know, they're uh, looking to build safer or more object-oriented programming experiences, which might be a better fit for gamers. So that's kind of the promise. And, uh, you know, move came out of uh, DM, uh, the the Facebook Libra project. Mm. Uh, So it's kind of, you know, some of the primitives they built in are supposed to make smart contracts easier and safer to write. Let's see how that matures, the whole dev tooling. So there is some excitement around that that amongst, you know, a lot of VCs. So we saw a lot of, you know, famous VCs, V16Z, Jump, Jump, and so on. Temasek get into quite a few of these uh, very large coins as well. Uh, Now, uh, but obviously, you know, that has nothing to do with, I'm sure when, uh, the price was going 5x. Uh, they, uh, they, people weren't necessarily thinking about the benefits of move programming language, right? I think it was more a liquidity driven rally, and as you said, it kind of you know Aptos launched into a bad market, and and there it was also there is also low liquidity, but uh, I think they were doing a Korea hackathon and uh, the folks in korea uh, everyone i know i think was pretty excited about that so and and i, I don't think people remember that korea you know korea has always contributed to uh, some very big uh, up moves and quite a few tokens including ethereum so 2016-17 i think uh, our friends in korea uh, contributed quite a bit to the uh, the price jump in ethereum and korea happens to be the land of DGEMs. Uh, you know, Dokwan uh, came out of Korea. Some of the <laughs> 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 riskiest plays came out of Korea. Uh, there was this uh, TV series. Uh, what's the name of that TV series? Uh, about uh, oh, oh um, like it, but, uh, the,
1: so game the game, the uh, game, Squid Games.
3: Uh, squid Games that came out of Korea. So yeah, there is something absolutely. going on in Korea with with like utter and complete uh, degen you know vibes well, and, and there's something to be said about that there. sorry
1: there, there's only one what's the greatest thing that ever came out of uh Korea do you think if you really really had to uh think Gangnam about it. Style Gangnam exactly style? right Gangnam That's Style true. do you remember yeah. Psy was the guy right I think there's I'm trying to work out if it's if that song is the one hit wonder of the world right is, or always is that <laughs> or, or are we going to well, be um... the, the Chesney Hawks um the one and only could be the other, the I, other one-hit wonder. Yeah. I think I think Gangnam Style is it though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I I, I would love to have one of those hits against my name if I could get one. You know, it's a, it's a bit sad to have only one hit, but then would rather have one. Uh, so there are quite a few blockchains that are you know one-hit wonders as well, especially from the ICO era. So hopefully the third generation blockchains uh, will not end up there, and some of the L2s that are coming out now, I think Polygon will launch an L2, Arbitrum Optimism. Uh, ZK Sync, Starkware, Scroll. There are quite a few L2s that are coming online. Mm. Uh, so we'll see how this. You know, the L2 wars. Uh, the L2 wars are just starting, right? And uh, so, so we'll see how the Arbitrum haven't launched a token, Starkware haven't launched a token, Polygon ZKVM. You know, people. Uh, there are people who complain about Polygon being not a true L2 but a side chain. I think they will get their answer in Q1 with Polygon launching a true L2. So we had alt L1 wars, now we are going into alt L2 wars and you know purely from a tech perspective and ecosystem perspective these these are going to be really exciting times. Whatever happens to the prices, I think the tech wars are always fascinating.
2: Ajit, like this compared to 2018, like 2023 is our maybe our 2019 I guess like we've had a year of down only markets. When I think back to that last cycle, the developer communities are so much richer now, right? It's it's, the activity level is because before, like in that last cycle, it was a, yeah, maybe it's not going to work kind of thing. Like maybe we don't have product market fit, but I think in this last cycle, although soaked with liquidity, I guess from um, a lot of economic stimulus, we saw a lot of product market fit in different verticals not only yeah. DeFi born from um, that down market but um we also like the nft market ran in this cycle and really brought mm-hmm. in some web 2 users into web 3 they don't oh. really care about finance, because you know let's be honest like the average person doesn't really care about DeFi. they don't care about finance that's not where the value proposition sits for them but the nft community seemed to bring Obviously, a lot of people that had a wide range of interests from a wide range of communities mm-hmm. they wanted to identify with. So, what are your thoughts on that, mate?
3: Yeah, so I think NFT is... See, we are looking at. Uh, I, I. It's my personal view, right? So, I, I believe we are looking at the financialization of everything on the internet, right? So, whether it's uh, culture, right, whether it's art or music or or or, or anything, right? So, so so those uh, anything can uh, become something you can own and by extension you can essentially sell or rent which means you have a variety of property rights attached to to a digital object which wasn't possible before blockchain so this is fundamental it's phenomenal i think people might have gotten a little bit too carried away by it and you know in terms of how quickly things move and that brought a lot of capital into blockchain so pretty much every l1 or l2 has you know 300 plus million to spend and that's way more money than i think we used to have in blockchains in total You know, even at consensus, we didn't really have that kind of money. So, uh, so, so I think all that capital has brought in a lot of talent, right? So a lot of money is also getting wasted, of course, right? On on conferences and I mean, no, uh, there are some good conferences, and you know, they're on parties, on yachts, and uh, I mean, just straight up rugs and all that stuff. So there's a lot of you know, grift and and all that bathwater, the bathwater stuff. But there is a lot, also a lot of babies. So, you know, we're seeing much better talent come into the space, whether it's on the tech side. In fact, a lot of Web2, you know, the Google, Facebook, the FANG folks really forward in because, you know, the tokens seemed like a sure sign. The, the the fastest path to wealth, the ad, agent, the ad industry, which is Web2, wasn't really getting anywhere. So it brought a lot of talent on the business and commercial side, but it also brought a lot of talent on, you know, in terms of ZK research. Some pretty I used to complain that we don't have enough PhDs in the space because you know we can't really get the kind of research Google guys were able to pull off, but now we have that sort of talent. You know, we're seeing a lot of like Stanford PhDs and Cornell PhDs come into Web3, which is pretty phenomenal. And of course, there are lots of app devs, right? So now people complain about we not having apps, but for the first time we have DeFi. And DeFi is getting people really excited about tokenization, right? So I'm seeing uh, private equity funds and uh, dealing with banks and a lot of these uh, yield generating asset owners who are essentially saying, "Look, before DeFi, which is the last cycle, we tried to do this real world tokenization and securitization, but we didn't have anything. You know, we couldn't do anything because what do you do? You issue a token, then what? Right now, it's possible to." trade that token, it's possible to borrow against that token. So so I, I think this this is a pretty fundamental shift. Uh, and now you can use NFTs in some of the DeFi protocols, and the next generation might be gaming, right? Uh, I mean, internet has always been pushed forward by gamers. Uh, gamers that uh, the trend for internet culture I mean, have, have since Tetris and Pac-Man uh, and Nintendo and God knows what else. So maybe you know the next generation will be Web3 gaming. And yeah, sure, valuations have been crazy a huge amount of money has been wasted in, you know, on the play to earn thesis and God knows what else. But you know, it's it's not the failures that make the internet. It's really one or two successes that show people how things can be done. I mean, people used to complain about Google search, right? There is no business model. There is a search engine. There is no business model. It went on for years. And then suddenly Google has a business model. They surprise everyone with their earnings. So I think we will see some of these uh, pretty cool things happen on Web3 as well. Uh, and Lens Protocol, Firecaster, you know, people are starting to explore now uh, things that are not necessarily focused on financialization. You know, so we know that we can financialize everything on the internet, but now people are starting to explore use cases that do not focus on financialization, right? Like uh, the Vitalik's uh, speech at ECC last year uh, referred to. So, so hopefully, you know, we are, we might we might be looking at what Mark Andreessen talks about, but can't always give an example for that. This is really the next iteration of the internet, and it definitely is the next iteration of the internet culture, right? Everything my son does on Discord is happening on blockchain.
0: This show is brought to you by Alloy Labs. As much as we love talking on the show, we believe that action is more valuable than talk. Alloy Labs is the industry leader in helping fearless bankers drive exponential growth through collaboration exclusive partnerships and powerful network effects that give them an unfair advantage. Learn more at alloylabs.com. Alloy Labs, Banking Unbound.
1: It's interesting that you say Mark Andreessen, uh, uh, obviously he was uh, one of the founders of Netscape back in the, in the 90s and, and came out of uh, NCAA Mosaic. Um the one of the things that we, uh, mark said which i think is is probably the best way of summing up uh why uh web3 and 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 tokens or, or crypto is here to stay is if you think about web 1.0 right, it's an untrusted network um, web 2.0 kind of built on that untrusted network with kind of single sign on social media uh be it you know logging as google login as your facebook account etc um, but in both Web 1.0 and Web 2.0, we're still paying for things with credit cards, either manually writing them in or writing in our card numbers mm-hmm. and, and entering our security code to get the transaction done or using a PayPal. Everything becomes <laughs> centralized around some kind of payment system. And the reason yeah. why that exists is because it's it's an untrusted network. Mm-hmm. But Web 3.0 is, is a trusted network and with a trusted network comes all the financial services that you can then employ on a trusted network that you couldn't employ uh mm-hmm. on web 1.0 and web 2.0 so that payment system or the ability to move value around a trusted network is is the important uh you know factor for why crypto needs to exist and and to be fair the 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 writing is is still on the wall as to whether or who wins the the, the web 3.0 kind of value system or value payments war and maybe there'll be multiple yeah. multiple payment systems because like we have multiple currencies but the the thing that you, i think people need to understand is that um crypto is here to stay because you've got a trusted yeah. network and in a trusted network you need uh, a zero knowledge trustless payment system on a trusted network and that's the only way yeah. that we can do that and you it's, know yeah. it, it's very interesting that people don't understand this concept because they haven't quite understood what web3.0 really does mean for mm. the ev- evolution of the internet and you know yeah. i mean we are starting our layer 1 uh for reasons uh that we we don't believe um have been solved in web3.0 yet and 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 Reese, yeah. you might want, you know when we think about the problems we ran into in our in our defi portfolio and why we had to build a layer 1 it, it just became you know blary, uh, 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 glaringly obvious that if we didn't do this institutions wouldn't come mm-hmm. or if someone else didn't do it, institutions can't come. And, you know, Rishi, I mean, you've got a good, good, good experience of doing this and we just found it didn't work, right?
2: Yeah, well, the, the current ecosystem isn't designed to be guarded by regulation. It's not it's not designed to have safety rails and that's the, the counterparty of like the true custody of having control of your own, you know, being your own bank, right? And that means you have to treat that capital with security that you're probably not used to, and or a managed risk you don't know how to understand, and that is normally uh, abstracted out to a financial institution in uh, real life, right, off chain. But when you take assets on chain, you have to absorb that responsibility. And you know when when we talk to large institutions uh, around the fund and how they're viewing this space, we from some large funds we spoke to only a few weeks ago uh, that everyone would know we. Um, the response is, we love the space. We know this is the direction, but we can't touch it. We can't uh, deploy assets into a compound pool uh, because we don't know the counterparties and we have uh, regulations and uh, other, like, um, I guess, yeah. uh, restrictions on accessing that capital. When you don't know the, the counterparty, that really makes things very hard to manage from a risk perspective. And so, I know it's that
1: co-mingling problem. Yeah, it's right? a so, co-mingling problem. All of a sudden, you're co on,
2: on chain with someone
1: who's sanctioned, right? And then all of a sudden, if you think regulators fine you uh, and they get to keep the money to fund their budget in some in some jurisdictions, if you're a bank using uh, a compound pool and all of a sudden you're co-mingling with an octa-sanctioned address, what stops the the regulator coming in and saying, "Oh, you're you're commingling with sanctioned addresses"? Here's your fine, thanks very much. The risk reward just isn't so, there.
3: Yeah, I have an anecdote about this. Right, so when uh, I was uh, working with Stanley building out RVR. Uh, so we went to Genesis, and we were essentially doing a road show around Crypto Wall Street, uh, all the centralized institutions, and and we spoke to the Genesis guys, and they were, you know, they were like, oh, uh, who is the counterpart? Who are we signing a contract with? Are we are we signing a contract with the other companies? And we we're like, no, the the counterpart is the smart contract, which is a which is a pool, right? This is where everyone deposits collateral, and then they borrow against collateral. So they were like, oh wait, so no, we need a credit counterpart. But the funny part about this is. Uh, they essentially swapped a billion in Bitcoin with uh, against a billion of UST. So you know, because oh, sure they had a credit counterparty, but at the end of the day, the underlying—I mean, what was that counterparty really worth? Given the the quality of the asset, so so I think there are some you know, and and meanwhile, while all of the centralized you know uh, crypto institutions have a lot of the crypto institutions have collapsed. Uh, Aave, Uniswap, I mean, Aave, Compound, NakedAo, these, these things are running strong and really going you know, to have been a almost yeah. a, a symbol of financial stability. By the way, on that note, we are the guys who built one of the few centralized products that stayed strong throughout this crisis. So Yield.app, I have to give a shout out uh, to us for building something that has really you know, done a great job of uh, staying strong throughout this uh, credit crisis we've seen.
2: Uh, Jay, that's an interesting point you make around like the, the response that Genesis had on the counterparty because it's a little bit of a like a misnomer, right? Because even though the pool is pooled assets, there's still provable ownership of who owns their share in the pool. And you could define like a million counterparties, right? To that, uh, to yeah, that how I mean, a liquidity pool works?
3: Uh, you can, but then... it. Uh essentially, if there is a default, right? So how does, how can Compounder have a default? If let's say the smart contract gets exploited. No, no, not, not uh, the counterpart, yeah, then, not the, the contract itself. Then you, itself, you but have like, no recourse, right? So there is no one you can sue. Whereas if you sign a contract with Suzu, then you can potentially take sue to court.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm more for like um, the immutability side of the responsibility and ownership on the, the code. Um, but if we look at like Tornado Cash, for example, um, if you deposit into Tornado Cash and those addresses are sanctioned, you know anyone that mm-hmm. withdraws from those, uh, like those addresses, while the pool itself um, is a yeah, smart contract, yeah. the ones affiliated yeah, yeah. are the ones that are then uh, impacted by their ability to transact um, with those assets, right?
3: Yeah, you can prove in Tornado Cash that your money was clean, and you know it wasn't. Yeah, so so you can essentially you have traceability of funds.
2: Yes, you do. And you need to provide those proofs, right, if requested. And I know there's a number of like fairly well-known uh, influences in the space that have gone down this path uh, with Coin Center, et cetera, around pursuing what it means to have to prove innocence uh, yearly, I think is what they're requesting uh, for this kind of thing. I know there's ongoing lawsuits and things. And it's a very like, interesting um, directive from OFAC that uh, I don't think anyone really expected it to happen that quick or out of the blue, kind of, and... Um, I think that was an interesting moment, uh, for like, what is I mean, the, because we get into the, what is free speech kind of thing yeah, when it uh, comes yeah. to that. And that's a, that's a can of worms, but as far as like an institutional level, that makes that look like uh, poison, right? Like it, it, like it, yeah, that makes that yeah, very right. difficult for them to touch. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like, that's the, the, the actual, the tech be- behind using proofs, uh, in Tornado cache is fantastic tech is very cool. And. You know oh, yeah. something, something, some utility such as using payroll, like using ZKs for payroll, mm-hmm. to abstract away, like what we take for granted in institutional, like traditional finance, around anonymity around uh, the the value of the assets you hold, uh, is something that tries to replicate, but unfortunately uh, has other, like by default, uh, the design of it has a lot of other use cases.
3: I think. Uh, see, so now we have come to the the the, the elephant in the room topic, right? So the, the, we we spent some time talking about markets and macro and interest rates, but the big challenge, at least in the U.S. this year. Uh, to the entire industry is going to be regulation because the public perception of the industry, which was going quite swimmingly well with Tom Brady and Matt Damon, and even Sam was the darling of... uh, And Larry David. We had Larry David. We had everything. We (laughs) We had had everybody, right? (laughs) We had uh, Reese Witherspoon. Every celebrity wanted to work in this industry. We were getting everyone from Google and Facebook that we wanted to hire and yeah, now it's a it's a slightly different environment. Now everyone's friend is calling and saying, "Why don't you maybe get a real job?" So, so, I think the public perception of the industry was hit really hard by you know the, uh, Sam and FTX in particular because they were so well known and popular, and you know, the the size of the the debacle was global and uh, about eight plus billion. So, uh, so I think that's also brought you know so Gary Gensler was meeting with uh, Sam. Uh, Mr. Benham of CFTC was hanging out with Sam. So it's kind of brought a lot of egg on, you know, people's faces and which puts a lot of pressure, like Laura Shin said, right? It's not that they're going to look after Sam. Sam has made them look really bad and they're going to make an example out of him. But I think the bigger challenge is that uh, there's a lot of pressure on people to, uh, in in policy circles, uh, Mm. uh, to do something. And that might be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction than anything else.
2: So that's a good point, Lucas. Do you think the the flow-on effect from that and Gensler's obviously affiliation with Sam and how the SEC looks in this is going to lead to like an overcorrection in where this was going?
1: No, I don't. Um, uh, Gensler was, you know, taught uh, crypto and, and blockchain at MIT before he became the uh, SEC chair, right? He knows the product inside and out, right? He's he's not. Uh, uh, stupid, right? The other thing a regulator's job is is to look at the industry and make regulation that is uh, helpful to the industry but protects its users, right? Don't forget, another job of a regulator is to help in the formation of capital, right? And capital markets. Mm. And if, for example, you come out and over-regulate and you stop the formation of of of, of capital, then you are going against your mandate too. So I also think that the the Sam against uh, the meetings are a little bit overblown, right? I, I used to meet with the the Bank of Japan board regularly when I ran uh, cross market trading at CS. I used to go and meet with them because we had such huge exposures to uh, Japanese clients and, and and the yen.
2: I was wondering who was responsible for those buybacks. Luke. Exactly, it's exactly, you you
1: got the ten year yields exactly, and uh, I mean to sit with them and <laughs> talk to them about all sorts of stuff, and uh, you know it's this nothing nefarious or untoward that's gone on. They just need information. What's going on? What are you seeing in the markets? You're you're obviously a key uh, crossroad in the market. You see a lot of flow. Tell us about what's going on. And then how do we think to protect and regulate our clients, right? Don't forget, FTX had an onshore business and an offshore business. Mm. And the onshore business, which was regulated and and was under the scrutiny of of US laws, um, is... Is, is was solvent, right? There was no problems with FTX US. The problem is fraud is fraud, right? It doesn't matter what you do um, to regulate. If someone wants to commit fraud or will try to commit fraud, the question is, is how do you stop them quick enough? And in what we found is that over the course of history, uh, where there's a will, there's a way to conduct some nefarious activity uh, on a large scale. And you know we see it with the Adani mining thing at the moment. We see this everywhere. It doesn't matter what you touch, right? The question is, is yeah. as a as a user of these platforms, and and I've always said that um, crypto exchanges are just private dark pools without a balance sheet. And because they have no balance sheet, the minute there's a problem, you're going to get rugged, and they're just going to take the money from you. And and that's been always been our um, our view at YieldUp. Right? Is that don't put your money with any exchange. Uh, because it's not a bank, right? They're not sitting there on a guarantee. They are running at the behest of users whilst users have capital there. And the minute that capital gets pulled, the people who are last out are going to get rugged. And that's just the way it is. And and um, you know, the, if you look at the scale of the fraud that's happened at FTX and you think to yourself, okay, there wasn't just one person that knew about this. There's a whole bunch of people that must have known yeah. the assets that were not supposed to be commingled were being taken off the platform and used to go and punt in whatever area you want and you know maybe you thought well okay if it works out i'm going to be you know the richest man in the world cuz don't forget he's essentially levering other people's money right and that the the outcome was the market turned and they just ran out ran out of rope and they and they hung themselves and you know i, I think a bigger problem is the way it was done i think the way Binance came out or CZ came out, um, called them out. And then I, I think the one that he did on Coinbase, I mean, should put him in prison. Why? Because Coinbase is a listed security on NASDAQ. You don't come out and make a statement that causes the market to crash or the stock to collapse because you've come out and said you don't have enough co- uh, Bitcoin to against uh, GBTC uh, or Grayscale. Uh, caused the market to crack and Brian Armstrong has to come out and correct it. And so, well, actually, we've got over a million plus, or whatever it was, he came out with. But you shouldn't be allowed to say that. If I came out and said that in a bank and said, "Hey, these guys are doing X, Y, or Z," and I didn't have any proof of that whatsoever, and I caused a dislocation in that in that underlying asset, I'm, I'm going to be charged with securities uh, market manipulation, yeah. right? Yeah, well,
3: we've we've seen this with Elon Musk and a few other billionaires, uh, mm. right, where people make uh, forward-looking statements or or statements in the market, and I think enforcement has generally been weak. And you know, we still have Mr. Josh Howley uh, uh, essentially starting a Pelosi bill, which essentially will ban insider trading by uh, by by Congress, uh, by the members of the Congress and the Senate. Right. So insider yep. trading. There has been quite lax securities law enforcement against the powerful and the JP.
1: But hold on a second. But hold on a second, right? Bitcoin and Ethereum are not securities, right? So they're not governed by yeah, that's securities correct. law, right? But the ultimate thing is, another, is Coinbase yeah. is a security, and you can't mm-hmm. come out and FUD a listed company, uh, cause a, an event in a security, and then you should be able to get away with it. I have a real think, problem with that.
2: I think the Elon one is like the from a few years ago when he said he had enough money to take it private, wasn't yeah. it? And it was like more of a yeah, like and that caused a huge pump. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, yeah. you know, I think I think this this whole market manipulation piece and going back to the regulation question, right? What regulators need to do is do what they've done well for for decades, which is find the balance between allowing capital formation and growth and evolution of the products and protecting yeah. the users of those products. And that's yeah, the And protecting five innovation, balance.
3: right? And protecting yeah, and innovation. Of
1: cor- so, yeah, of course, uh, yeah innovation. Right. But the only thing that FTX did, right? And if I'm really honest with you, this is the only the only benefit that FTX gave the industry was it gave the TradFi companies that have been working on their own chains, working on their own tokens, their own coins, their own, coins, their own platforms, time. And if I'm uh, a traditional financial services institution, I would be absolutely stoked that a crypto native firm has destroyed the trust in the crypto native industry and our trust is still in place. So if HSBC came out tomorrow and said, here's the HSBC uh, crypto exchange, you can trade all your crypto through HSBC. Uh, We will custody it. We will manage it. We'll give you the liquidity, et cetera, et cetera. You just open your account. There's no place for a Binance anymore. There's no place for an FTX anymore because the trust is there. Right? Trust is in that brand. And if you tell me that the minute Citibank turns on BTC trading on Velocity, if those of you don't know what Velocity is, it's the uh, the institutional grade FX platform, I'm not going to any other platform to trade my FX or my Bitcoin because it's so much better. And there's billions of dollars that have been spent on this. And and don't forget, traditional financial services firms, especially the big one, can throw scale at this problem better than anyone else in the industry. And they've been doing it for years. I mean, HSBC has billions of dollars in digital assets in custody, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the meetings and calls that Reese and I have had with some of the biggest wealth managers in the world, they look at what we've done and they go, yeah, we'd love to do that. um, But we've got regulatory capital controls that prevent us from doing it. Mm. But it's not hard for us to do it. Like We've done the work. We we can just turn it on when, when we're allowed to. And
2: they're very well aware yeah. of the ecosystem. And FTX that. just
1: undermined the whole industry. Yeah. And what did we see off the back of it? Well, market makers who had money on FTX have obviously had to make their spreads wider. And the market Ooh. depth is now shallower. So that means volatility is higher and uncertainty Ooh. is greater, which drives up people from the industry right? It's just, you know, you look at some of these funds who weren't on FTX, but were with, let's like, say, a Falcon X or someone who were on FTX. Their claim isn't against FTX. Now it's against Falcon X. The contagion and the problems in the industry are are manifest, right? It's just so bad. And all of this was done because the trust in the ecosystem or the industry, especially crypto native, has been completely destroyed. And well, I don't know where you go from there.
3: Well, there is some good news for us, right? So there is a joke going around and Henry Arslanian you know, who runs PwC's crypto practice and is a very popular speaker. We should get him on a show uh, at some point. Yeah, he doesn't do that uh, anymore. He... He's
1: now left that, and he is now running Nine Blocks Capital, uh, which is oh, a spin-out right. oh, from he, Nine blocks. Did Masts. he leave PwC? Did yeah, he's leave left PwC, PwC. He's now, oh, the, okay, he's so now he... the co-founder of Nine Blocks, and yeah, uh, yeah he's that's a spin-out from Nine Months. Good
3: Masts. for him. Good for him. Yeah. I, I, I love Henry. So one of the things he said in one of his recent talks is that you know the era of kids running the industry is over. So I was like, okay, good. I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. I worked yeah. in compliance, risk. So I'm 46 years old. I have done it, uh, you know, with, with a bunch of traders. So good for good for all the older men and women. I mean, who have a little bit of experience in in actual risk management, compliance, no, and all of that. Absolutely like right. You're 100 percent Right. you right. have yep. right. got,
1: yeah. got a lot of time for um for Henry. Um, you know, I know the fund. We've deeded the fund. Um, we're happy with what they've got, etc. No problem there. Um, you know, there's a great many things that we've got to look forward to going forward, right? We've got a lot of things and cleaning out all the bad actors and cleaning out all the shit in this industry is like the best thing that could ever happen to it. Because there's some amazing tech. There's some very, very, very smart people writing some very, very innovative stuff. And it is accretive to the overall financial services industry globally, right? It allows people to be banked that otherwise couldn't be banked. Yeah. It removes the reliance on centralization and, and monopolists in certain countries, especially in Africa and, and the Middle East. And it allows uh, finance to be normalized across the world uh, for anyone that wants to have the ability to own a wallet and transfer value, right? And, and I think that we've got that those things covered. What what's destroying the industry is that centralization on the back of well, if we centralize we've got more liquidity, and obviously the likes of you know Uniswap etc are really trying to address that. And how do we create liquidity but still decentralized? And that's yeah, the, so, so, and that's where we're headed, right?
3: Well, uh, so that's the best part, right? So I, I think uh, while money crypto was crumbling, uh, you know we are almost coming to the end of uh, the show. The tech crypto made a made massive progress, right? Across zk, across some of the things Cosmos guys have done with, Interchain, across Ethereum scaling, across you know NFTs and DeFi, uh, they've just been uh, in every ecosystem. There's been just phenomenal progress on the tech front. So maybe you know we really. Uh, so this year will probably be while I think you know the the society gets a handle on money crypto, uh, you know the, how the institutions. Uh, the capital markets uh, entities in this in this industry should be governed and uh, how they should manage their risk and conduct. I think uh, that the fact that we have uh, you know so much talent coming in and so much innovation that's going on, so much research that's getting driven forward in this space. I think we can have a phenomenal. Phenomenal year in tech crypto, uh, yeah, and that's probably the you know I've never been this bullish on the technology in this industry as I am today, right? Even though I'm a little bit uh, well, I'm fairly uh, sad about the state of money crypto. I'm extremely excited about the state of uh, tech crypto.
1: No, absolutely. Um, I, I I think that the innovation has has really compounded and, and really accelerated in this space um you know there's there's a lot of lessons that i think we can take away from the past you know not just last year but the last few years and you know getting that semblance of normalcy back into the market and people focusing on the real value of of the industry which is you know trustless payments in in, in a secured network right that's what we want right that's 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 the future of finance and and that's where we're headed so, yeah, I mean, yep. I don't think tools. you can stop the
3: internet. So, you know, whatever happens this year, uh, the march mm-hmm. of the internet will continue because that's what the kids are working on. And
0: that's,
3: uh, that's what we need to be excited about.
2: Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up with some market thoughts, gentlemen. So, is we've seen a little bit of a pump the last few weeks across crypto markets. We had uh, the rally in traditional markets uh, a few weeks before. So, is the question for both of you, gentlemen, is The crypto market decorrelating, or is it just lagging traditional markets right now?
3: Uh, Some days it's leading, some days it's lagging. uh, But I think it's you know, as more and more institutions come in, we will see correlations go up uh, a bit across crypto and equities, and especially as it gets more regulated as well. Okay, I I I don't think it's yeah. I think
1: think the, the the biggest issue, right, is that people need to understand that crypto is now considered a risk asset. And it's a risk on asset and it's a risk off asset right so when markets look dicey it's going to come off fast when markets look you know pretty you know tepid and, and it looks pretty oh, uh, the risk looks pretty tepid then we're going to see that that rally and what we're, we're trying to see at the moment is if i were to look at correlation across risk assets i would say the correlation has shown to be extremely high we saw it with the sell-off and we saw it with the with the rally back um, the only difference between these risk assets is these risk assets trade twenty four seven, and the moments of liquidity are are, are finer, right? They're not. It's not fully liquid across that twenty four seven cycle, three three six five, right? You you have the weekend like we had where we saw that that rally higher. People are are interested in in the level still, and people are interested in the, in in the direction it's traveling. But I think we need to see 30,000 30, breach, uh, and then we'll start to see the basis pick up and we'll see that that funding sort of people start to lever into it. And then we start to see do we get to 100 k this year or not. Now I I have a very simple view that the macro backdrop is um is is actually quite solid. We're seeing inflation come off. Uh I think that the SEC, I don't think wants to go too hard because we need to see wage inflation start to catch up, right? Without without the uh the wage inflation that we need, you don't want to destroy the economy. You want to maintain that kind of momentum and and positive sentiment. So you know, do we get you know a one last hike at fifty basis points, or do we get like a smoother two twenty fives or something, or do we just start to see we're going to wait and see? I mean, um, the market obviously is pricing in 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 a hike, but you know we've started to see that inflation numbers come down. We've seen Eurozone cool. avoid recession today. There's a lot of positives coming into the market, right? And and ultimately that means you want to own risk assets. And and the question is is what's the right entry point? Was it the start of the year at seventeen thousand or just below seventeen thousand, or is that right entry point now? And maybe you get a bit of a pullback and it rallies higher, but it it it's still uh you know it's early doors yet I think. All right, guys, why don't we wrap this up? It's uh, been a great show. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for your time. Ajit, Reese, any final words? Yeah.
2: No, it's a great looking forward to doing more of these and getting some guests on. And I think we've got a really good blend of traditional experience and the most up-to-date happenings in DeFi and Web3. And I think we're going to make for some great shows.
3: Yeah. And we'll get some phenomenal guests. I think I have, I have some really like we know everybody in this industry, right? So, so I think it's going to be really exciting.
1: Sounds great. See, thanks a lot, Ajit. Thanks, Reese. And until next great. time. Thank you so much. Ah, cheers.
2: Thanks, gents.
0: That's it for another week of the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. This episode was produced by our US based production team, including producer Lisbeth Severance, audio engineer Kevin Hersham, with social media support from Carlo Navarra and Sylvie Johnson. If you like this episode, don't forget to tweet it out or post it on your favorite social media. We'll leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever it is that you listen to our show. Those actions help other people find our podcast, and in return, that helps us build an audience that can be supported by sponsorship so we can continue to provide you with our award-winning content every week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on Breaking Banks next week.